Welcome to Dome Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Britz. Dome Dog Podcast is expanding. It's not just about Syracuse basketball all the time, although the focus is mostly on Syracuse basketball, so don't turn the dial just yet. It's going to expand to have people that played against Syracuse, are from Syracuse, have some sort of ties to the program one way or another. About 10 days ago, I spoke to Matt Rowe, who played at Faithful Manly High School, a suburb of Syracuse, then played at Syracuse. Got me thinking I need to get some other guests. So my next guest also played at Faithful Manliness High School, also went D1. He went a little different route than Matt Rowe did, but he got there. His name is John Oliver. John played at West Virginia from 1998 to 2002, and he joins the Dome Dog Podcast. John, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? I appreciate it, Matt. This is uh, actually kind of exciting because uh, I was on one of the websites, or one of the uh, the um, pages for Facebook, and I saw it kind of pop up, and then something about basketball, and then I saw Matt, and Matt and I have a cool relationship from back in high school, and always kind of looking up to, uh, Matt was like probably the biggest name out of out of FM. Um ever you know for basketball wise and it always heard the stories and then um that kind of transferred on to um i don't know if it was matt that put me on to mike hopkins pretty sure it was or just um one of the camps i had gone to and, and mike and i became really good friends and I absolutely love mike and obviously mike and, and and jim had been you know obviously he was player coach and then you know went on from there so it's really awesome uh, awesome time but thanks for having me on Definitely. you know it, it's uh it's interesting uh, looking at basketball, you know, we chatted a little bit before this, but I always played multiple sports, and I was always uh, well, probably the tallest kid in class um, until I came to FM, which I met my best friend, ended up being my best friend, he was probably the other tallest kid, and always played multiple sports, grew up playing soccer, obviously upstate New York, and then basketball is kind of the winter season, and then on and baseball as well. And um, then uh, it was probably around... I was always, you know, always tall, but always real skinny kid. Uh, didn't really put on much weight. And then around my junior year, um, this is a fun story a lot of people don't know. I dropped soccer and was just playing pickup basketball. And I was in the gym. And uh, I don't know if you remember, Matt, uh, the, the PE teacher, uh, Steenberg. Was that, was, I think it was his name? Yeah. That was he football was coach. Yeah. Football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he, he comes up and grabs my arm. Get in the office, John. I'm, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, what do I do, right? And so he's like, what are you doing? I go, playing pickup ball you know after school and he's like you're not playing soccer and i'm like no he's like come play football and i'm like okay i'm like coach i don't really know my son. i mean i understand the, i don't really know he's i don't care you're gonna come play tight end so i actually did play uh, my junior year and uh and god i had been probably about 180 pounds soaking wet um <laughs> and uh that year my junior year i had a really good year playing basketball and they had to start talking to me and said, "Hey, look, you could you could play this in college, right? You could you could go on. I think there's an opportunity here with your size. I was aggressive, and uh, you know you got to drop other sports. And so that year, I think with my last year, I played baseball as well. And then going into my senior year, um, I had grown. I was about six seven, six eight at the time. And so I was tall again, super skinny, but I could jump. So and, how, uh, how how much did you grow your senior year? Five inches, four inches." Yeah, probably, well, probably three or four between junior and senior, probably three or four before that between sophomore and junior. So what, so, are, the, yeah. what are the doctor, when you when you went to the, like, for your, you know, years, the doctor was like, 
John, what have you been doing? Like, what happened? Yeah, what? you know, I was I was always tall. I think at the age of two or three, they tell you how tall you're supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't. I was gonna be around six four, six five. My mom, uh, long legs. Just get the height from her from her side of the family. Had a couple uncles that were six three, six four. Um, but yeah, and then it's funny because I mean, Matt, you know, you back in high school, I was eating everything. I mean, God, I, I'm I was putting down seven, eight, ten thousand calories a day at some point. <laughs> I couldn't keep a pound on me, which yeah. is actually funny because I was I was just chatting with Matt Rowe the other night, um, and we were messaging back and forth, and he was telling me his son's like six eight. I'm yeah. like, yeah, he probably can't even break two hundred. He goes, he can't break one eighty five. Yeah, he's a good and player so, too. He's uh, I mean, he he's he Matt, you know, since we've done on the podcast and we've been in touch too, and. His his son had what he twenty three points and twenty rebounds. I mean that's like, you know that's like monst- yeah. that's monster status. I was like wow that's a lot of rebounds. But I mean I guess if you're six yeah. foot eight and you know, again talking yeah, John, John Oliver yeah. from from Faithful Bandless, he's probably you know I can't I couldn't nail down, you know first it was one of four players, but then a few people on the Facebook page popped up with some people that played for Syracuse or played Division One in the seventies. So we'll just say one of six, one of seven players that you are to go. Division one and major right. division one. If uh, you know Matt Rowe went to Syracuse, you went to West Virginia. You know those those are huge programs. You know Big East when you were when you were in, um, going from high school, college. So you know we were talking before, and you and I played in those tournaments that were kind of like around Syracuse. Those pickup no pickup tournaments, but they were three on threes. You know it was like everyone would sure, show up, sure. and you were there and you were dunking on people. And I, I kind of was like, man, that's John Oliver. He's just cr- killing people all of a sudden, and uh, <laughs> you know like because that. When people from FM can dunk, it's it's kind of a big deal, you know. And but you were like sure. throwing two handers down, you know, and you had grown a lot, like you said. And I'm just like, man, he's he's changed a lot in just the year. And your mom was standing there. And your mom said, well, he wants to go D1. I said, has he got any offers? And she said, well, he's gonna maybe go prep. So how did you, you know, you said you grew a bunch in, sure. in your senior year. Were you getting offers at Division two and Division three that made you think yeah, hey, I could probably uh, go yes. to the next level? Or? So I got some interest. There was a couple of Division one, some smaller, you know. Um, remember it was like a Loyola Marymount you know and, and growing up in Syracuse you grew up with the Big East right, right. so the Big East let, let's not BS it was a conference right there was Georgetown Syracuse Juicon St. John's Rutgers right. I mean there's battles yeah. that was that was the league right even even when I was playing it was funny like I mean Seton Hall would sneak in Providence would sneak in Pitt would sneak into the tournament you know yeah and so um I kind of had that aspiration I had gone to uh, this funny story I went to a Syracuse basketball camp and they like uh, draft you, right? Like it's like a legit like NBA draft or whatever, some some nonsense like that. And I got drafted number one. Uh, I think it was just my size, and um, and I had a good season. I remember, you know, Bayham will come out and he'll be like, "All right, come over here and shoot some free throws for me," right? And I had known I had known Mike uh, Hopkins at the time. I think I met Mike through Matt, and Matt and I we kind of unofficially uh, did some practices, some things. This and that. I came up to Manly Fieldhouse. I used to play with those guys. Um, you know, my, my senior year and, uh, you know, they were like, you got a lot of potential and there were some offers out, to, you know, a lot of the SUNY schools, a lot of the D3s, mm-hmm. some small D1s, there was a school, uh, Elon, which Elon's now a D1. Yeah. Um, and they're like, do you have an opportunity, you know, to do this and where do you want to take it? Now I was young. Like I was probably the young, younger one in my class, right? I, I, I graduated right around 17, turning 18. So I still knew I had size to grow um and i had been working out actually was working out with the jv basketball coach and started lifting and that's when it really started the strength started coming and so um started looking into what junior college meant because i didn't really know what that meant and this is still back when like you know 
you're getting recruited. It's different. It's not like YouTube is now and everybody yeah. sees you right. all over the world, millions <laughs> of people. Yeah. And but like Matt, too, it's kind of fun. So the smaller schools will see and, and, and whatnot. And I got, somehow I got put onto prep school, right? Prep schools, you could go there, do a postgraduate year. A lot of guys would do a senior, even junior year. And um, it'll kind of map it out. So it kind of researched. And God bless my mom. I mean, she's the most analytical person. She was looking at everything. And we found the two best schools who we thought, uh, one was New England, uh, New England prep school, or, or what they were called, New Hampton. I'm sorry, New Hampton prep. They were in New England and, uh, or in um, New Hampshire. And then uh, Maine Central Institute, MCI, and that was in Maine. And so we took a road trip, my mom and I, and we said, look, you know, it was actually funny, Matt, because it was, you know, kids at school, they they take their SATs, and then they get accepted to schools, like, Matt's going to Yale, and so-and-so's going to Harvard, <laughs> right. and this already got it. And I was like, John, where'd you apply? I go, nowhere. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like, I got, I got another plan. Like, I got a different plan for this. And I was convicted in that, and I was going to work hard. And so we drove up to... Um, New Hampton, beautiful school, brand new school, brand new coach. I mean, nice amenities, beautiful place. And they laid it out. And I was like, wow, this is amazing, right? Um, you, know, you stay there on campus and they got the chef and the cafe and all this stuff. And then we drove up to Maine and it was this one one road know, called Main Street, right? With a railroad, had the school on it, one dorm room and had this gruff old dude, Max Good. And Max was just, he was known in the prep school <laughs> world. And this guy, you walk in and he had like a one bedroom. It was kind of like a, a dorm room, but it was made for the coaches. Yeah. And he had all these pictures up, all these guys, all these division one guys that you knew, right? You had seen. And he had like multiple TVs. And this is back before TVs were even like who was, who was on his like who, who was on his wall? Who was on his wall that you recognized? Yeah, you know, I mean, looking back, uh, I wouldn't know the players now as much, but I'll, I'll, let me, I'll let me get into that, which is kind of funny when we sat down and talked. And so he was like, you know, I see guys, I see, you know, you see the schools, you see, and you see him with like Shashevsky, you see him with Bayheim, you see him with Big John Thompson, you see all these pictures of him. And so I'm like, wow, like this guy really knows people, Patino, whoever. And uh, so we sit down and he's talking and the school's nothing to look at. It's nothing exciting. There's no one there. And he's like, John, can I be frank? And then he, I kind of looked at my mom and it was kind of like, you know, she's like, oh, I'll stay. She's going to, you know, he goes, John, he goes, I don't know who the fuck you are. And I don't care <laughs> who the fuck you are. He goes, and I don't need you. I go, okay. He goes, I got this, you know, this guy, Lamar Odom. I go, yeah, yeah. I heard of him. You know, he's in the West. He's like, yeah, he wants to come here. Oh, wow. Yeah, he goes, I told him to sit his ass at home. We don't need him. He goes, he's trouble. and I don't want him here. Now, no story, Lamar, which is kind of funny. But, and so he goes, I got XYZ coming from blah, 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 blah. He goes, why do you want to come here? And I'm like, he's like, well, look, you come here, I'll make you 400 times better. All right. And this guy, he had this handshake mat. Oh, my God. He would sit there with those old school things that you like squeeze to like strengthen your hands. Mm -hmm. And this guy had this grip. I mean, it was unreal. So anyway, we kind of left there. My mom was like, wow. Okay. So you want to tell New Hampton, the other school, you're good to go. I go, no, nah, I want to go to Maine. She's like, you want to go with that guy? I go, that's the guy. Um, it was just, yeah. They wanted me to play a role player, which when I got to Maine, um, had some amazing players. And we started off, and this coach was just, he was a beast. Absolute beast. And uh, but, the, but the coaches started rolling in. And Matt, I'm talking about every major Division One coach would roll in there. It was a handshake and a point, and it was like, you need that, you need him, you need him. And so 
um, it was interesting. I mean, we started out five and zero, ten and zero, fifteen and zero, twenty and zero, and then there was a little rift on the team around twenty and zero because guys were signing early. And so uh, my point guard Eric Barkley, he went to St. John's. Yep. Uh, my two guard Kevin Braswell, he went to uh, Georgetown. Remember him? My yep. three was a kid named uh, Bobby Smith. He went to um, did he go to Boston College first? Oh, he went to Villanova. Yep. Bobby went to Villanova. I went to West Virginia. Uh, we had another kid. Uh, was it Clinton Sims? He went to Boston College. There's five in the Big East. Wow. Uh, kid Keith Bean went to NC State. He was a center. Um, so people started signing early. There started this rift. You know, so the coach, he kind of saw this. And we were at a, it was a Juco um, game. You know, we were up again by like 12 points. You know, we were winning. Comes in at halftime. And uh, he could tell the tension and whatnot. And you know those big slate blackboards that are on the wall? Mm-hmm. Coach Good turns and he punches Oh, punches his blackboard and his hand blows up. I mean, bleeding. I'm like, you're 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 a teenager. You don't know what. And he's throwing blood on the ceiling. He's throwing blood on the wall. <laughs> and we got his towels up, and he's like, we got to box out. We got to rebound. And his language was quite colorful as always. We came out of locker room. We're like, won the game by probably 25 points. We go back and we're driving. We have these two vans that takes, you know, one takes half the team, one takes the other half of the team. I happen to be riding in the van with the head coach. Complete radio silence. Guy's hands bleeding. I mean, Matt, he came out, you know, those, those uh, dry erase boards, and he's writing on one, all blood all over. He throws it. Give me another one of these. There's blood. There's a blood trail. We had to, all of our jerseys had to get treated and stuff before we started the half. Anyway, we get back to the, uh, the dorm room, and, uh, we had six rooms, two guys apiece, 12 guys total. It was me and the other, only other white kid on the team all the way at the end. So we had the last room, the sixth room. We're farthest away from the coach. Everybody congregates down our room. Dude, you see that? That was crazy. Like, what was coach doing? It actually brought us all together. And it was nuts. We, we saw, like, later, I think it was like 4 or 5 in the morning, he snuck out and went to the hospital, got his hands stitched up. Um, but after that, it, it, was, it was absolutely nuts. Like, we came together. We went on to win the next 15 games. We actually... Uh, one of the buses hit black ice during the season and flipped, and three of our uh, starters got hurt, mm. so we didn't play that tournament. We would have had 38 games on the schedule, but they ended up 35. Um, ended up 35-0. and 0. Ironically, in the uh, Northeast Prep School Championship, we played the other team that I would have chose to go to, which was New Hampton, yeah. and we ended up beating them by, like, 20 in the <laughs> championship game. So, but, uh, so either way, it would have been pretty decent. But, you know, how it ended up, Getting to West Virginia is a fun story. Um, ironically, it became pretty good uh, good friends with uh, Big John Thompson. And John actually became friends with my mom. And they were recruiting Kevin Braswell. Kevin was their two guard for four years, started there. And uh, he was like, if I had another scholarship, he was like, I need a guy like that. I need a banger. And uh, he's like, it's perfect for that. And you know, back Georgetown back in the day, I mean, they right. battled. And, um, but what about what about what about Syracuse? Were you like hoping that they would come along, or did you not want to you do know, that? Yes, I, I think you always are. Uh, but I also knew that opportunity probably wasn't there. Mike and I had a great great relationship. Hopkins, uh, Bernie Fine, I knew Bernie really well. Bernie actually, his son David was good friends with my cousins, uh, Stephen and Jamie. So they always kept an eye, which was kind of cool. But it really wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some officials. Uh, ironically, I was looking at Pitt as well, which Pitt and West Virginia are like rival rivals, yeah. backyard brawl. And uh, so um, 
this guy Mel Hankinson. Mel ended up leaving West Virginia, but he was like their their uh, their uh, head assistant coach uh, for West Virginia. He was like you know Gail. Gail, you know, kind of played back in the day. He was the Jerry West, Rod Thorne, Hot Rod Hundley kind of days. And he's like, we like the game. We need a banger. Um, and I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I actually met, you know, I come in and, and I averaged a double-double in prep school. Yeah. Um, but never, you know, huge scoring-wise. So wait, and, so uh, can we go back a little like Yeah. Can we go back a little bit to, you know, you talked about that, that coach going off there and he bangs it. He thinks he... You think he did that on purpose so you guys stopped bickering over where you were going? Yeah. Did he say? Yeah. It? Did he tell you oh. that? Did he tell you that later or no? No, he never told us. Yeah. Never told us. What's actually funny about him is uh, he's been he, he had been known over the years that he broke his heel. He would always wear dress shoes, <laughs> that big wooden heel. Yeah. And he would slam it into the ground. I mean, he yelled at me one time, Matt. I, I thought I blocked the shot. I thought it was at the peak, and I got called for goaltending, and he screams out there. Oliver, huh? everybody in the gym knows you can jump. He's like, you don't got it. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is embarrassing. He's hilarious, you know. But so, and I'm like, push button, but he's like, hey, I don't want to hear it. He's like, I asked you what time it was. You tell me how to make a clock. He's like, I just, I'm, all right. So, that's, that's a good yeah. one. I like that one. So he, yeah, he was, <laughs> so what, he knew his shit. He knew, he knew so his shit. when, when you, like, so you said you averaged a double double. Like, when did, like, I know you said that you had some all, small offers kind of going, from your senior year, but you know, you decided to go the prep school route. Talking with John Oliver, played at Faithful Manless High School, suburb of Syracuse, also played at West Virginia. You you then decided to go to the prep school route. Obviously, it worked out really well. But when sure. at that point, you know, you said all those those names, and if people know the Big East from back in the two thousands, those guys were, were were good players. I mean, Eric Barkley was a great player. So when did you know? I guess at that point, what was that you were going to go the route that you wanted, more higher echelon D1? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, for me, I think it was playing in the summer of senior year. Well, you know, it, I was like, I, if you would call it, quote-unquote, a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was always kind of younger one in my, uh, I, I mean, nowadays they would have held me back. I would have started kindergarten when I did, right? Yeah. Instead of four, I would have been five. Um, I would have graduated high school at 18 or nine, you know, so – I think for me, I just, I didn't put the size on. Um, I started working out, which I still do every day, and I fell in love with it ever since. But it was just something that um, I realized because of my size and my athletic ability, I wasn't going to be the Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, right? But there was that role player, right? There's always, there's, there's an enforcer in hockey, but there's something like that where when I got into prep school, it was bang. It was set picks, die for loose balls, grab rebounds, you know, the Dennis Rodman type of, Charles Barkley that you don't, you know, you don't see as much of the stat aspects of it, but taking charges and doing those types of things. And, uh, I had the grades, um, already. And then West Virginia, I think I actually ended up signing early. I ended up taking a couple official visits back then. You used to get five mm-hmm. and, uh, took a couple officials and West Virginia was actually just a fun one, which I heard was a great school, kind of fun to go. And that year they had gone to the sweet 16. Uh, they were losing, uh, I think six seniors and five of their starters. And so the coaches were like, look, you can come in as a freshman and have the opportunity to start, uh, which I ended up, I think it started like 17 or 18 games for them uh, freshman year. But, um, you know, it was an interesting transition, Matt. I don't know if there was a specific time where I knew like this was going to happen, but I knew my work ethic, I, I was going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
few offers. And I'm not sure if my mom saved everything, but all the official letters, all the offers and stuff like that. But I was only looking at Big East schools. I wanted to go back, play against Syracuse, right? Play against the teams that, I mean, I watched, I grew up watching, you know, John Wallace's, the Sherman Douglases, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love that. I used to go down to the stereo shop in, in, uh, in uh, Syracuse and they had all the players on there, like all these signed pictures. And they used to hook up all their cars with the systems and yeah. stuff. Like, I thought that was super cool, you know? <laughs> and then knowing, knowing Bernie Fine well enough, knowing Mike really well, and Mike was, was super instrumental in, in my growth, I feel like, just the, uh, um, the foresight. You know, talking with Matt as well, too. Matt was, you know, kind of a legend, you know, played in Syracuse. Not sure what happened. You know, went to Maryland, ended up playing overseas. And when I said, okay, there's an opportunity for, for me here. But I'm a different type of player. I'm not a shooter like them. Right. Um, but there, there's something here that's a bigger opportunity, and I can go in and, and work it. And so I signed with West Virginia. And uh, looking back, if I had to make the decision 100 times over, I wouldn't change it. Um, it was amazing opportunity. Uh, there's a lot that can be said. Gail Catlett at the time, this is right before John Beeline came in, before Huggins is there now. Uh, and Huggins was always supposed to come, but but – you know, Gail was a, was a hard nose. I heard stories about Gail. He, he'd gone into the crowd and gotten into a fight one time during a pit game. I mean, Gail was a bruiser. And so is that why I didn't you, Is that why you wanted to go there? Because that's kind of how you played you too? Know, no, but I didn't understand the role player until later when he kind of molded me into, John, I don't want you to shoot the ball. I don't want you to do it run any offense. I want you to set picks. I want you to use all five fouls every game. And, like, I really didn't understand hockey. I mean, I was never growing up. But now understanding what an enforcer is in hockey, <laughs> yeah. there's a basketball version. Um, right. <laughs> fun fact, I did get voted dirtiest player in the Big East, I think, two years in a row. <laughs> uh, my mom wasn't – I think they came out with – you know, they always had, like, worst dressed, you know. Yeah. I, every once in a while, somebody did that. Or, you know, freshman of the year, like, MVP, this and that. And then the dirtiest player came out. And I think it was in the papers. And my mom was like, John. And I'm like, hey. At least I got an award. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's just funny because it's like in, in this day and age, right? All that stuff would be all over social media, you know? And we're talking about, oh, yeah. we're talking about well, 90, think, we're talking about late 90s, then, 2000s. This didn't exist. I mean, AOL, yeah. Instant Messenger, um, you know, Facebook wasn't even in existence yet. This wasn't around. So no one could talk about this kind of stuff back then where, it, that, that would be on message boards and things all over the place if you were the dirtiest player. But oh, yeah. but back then they they put it in the actual newspaper, which is probably yeah. hard for people to understand now because who doesn't people don't really yeah. read the newspaper that much. Was that in the Post Standard, or is it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think my mom's got the art. I got she's got this big book of stuff. It's crazy all yeah. the stuff that she has, and it was like dirtiest player in the Big East, voted on by the players. I was like, okay, but you know I had to do the gritty things. Then yeah, I had to, I mean. I caught a, I chipped seven teeth, had my nose broke four times, uh, broke the first, when Matt was telling a story the other day, broke first, second, both elbows, knees, yeah. I mean, the stuff that we ended up, I mean, I got banged, think about basketball, there's no helmet, there's no pads, there's no grass, right, doesn't look <clears> as physical, but you got two seven foot guys jumping 12 feet in the air and landing on a hardwood floor, yeah. things happen, Well, sure. I'm trying to think, so back to like in late 90s, you know, that's, Around when like Eton Thomas was on the team, when you played in the dome, what was that moment like for you? For the first, did you play four all four times that you played it when you were playing? Yeah, yeah. I I think I scored my first two points against Syracuse, ironically, freshman year. Nice. Um, They didn't want me to score. They, I mean, honestly, Matt, they were like, "Do not shoot the ball. Like you have a role. Here's what you do." And I didn't really understand that going in, but I made a career out of it, right? Um, And and I knew it. it. 
again, I wasn't going to be the, the leading scorer. That wasn't a thing. They didn't want me to do anything but grab rebounds and bang guys around. I mean, if you were my point guard and you got fouled pretty hard on last time down, he's running you off my screen the next time down. It's going to happen. Legally, I'm going to set one, but you're going to get you're going to get knocked. And, and that was the league back then. I mean, right. to, oh, yeah. I mean, look back at, at, uh, at Allen Iverson at Georgetown. I mean, that he got bounced like a basketball. I mean, he got hammered. I know. Back when you look, you know, you watched Jordan back in the day and those battles with Detroit and whatever in the sport. I mean, they would punch guys in the face. No, the way the, um, the way they played back in the Big East back then, it would cause like almost cause like a riot now. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it was just but it was just like normal. Yeah. No one cared. It was like yeah, oh, yeah. hard well, follow. I mean, Eton, that was a big one. That was kind of fun. Uh, was it Hakeem Warwick? Uh, Ryan Blackwell became a good friend of mine. Ryan and I played in the, in the um, Empire State games a bunch. Jason Hart was there. Jerry McNamara. It was almost like it was a fun time, um, you know, looking back at that. And so, yeah, I think I think uh, I was back in the Dome, and it was ironic because we had another kid from my, um, my year. He actually went to prep school as well. His name was Jackie Rogers. Jackie went to Corcoran. And Jackie went on, and he signed at West Virginia, and he only was there for a year. And um, so when Jackie and I went back and played Syracuse freshman year, it was like a big thing in the paper, like two hometown guys coming back to Syracuse. Um, I had a bunch of family there. They had put up this big banner. And, um, yeah, I think I actually I got my first – I scored my first two points at Syracuse. Um, so that was kind of iconic, which was fun. And always loved to come back and play against Cuse. I mean, you know, growing up, that was – that was a time, like I said, I, I watched, I watched those guys, you know, and uh, and grew up watching Syracuse basketball, football, you know, and it was just like, it, it was kind of surreal in a way. The Dome is a funny place to play at, mm-hmm. like it just uh, because you know how big it is, I and mean, you're at one end of the field. Technically, it's a football, you know, dome, right. but um, and you got that pressure when you're coming in, and it's just like you know, it's just, it's an interesting atmosphere. Uh, but really, really fun, and it was always exciting to go back and play. I know we ended up beating them when they were ranked, and it was like a, it, it was a bad loss for Syracuse. But you know, as, like I said, it's always a bittersweet. Love seeing Mike, love seeing Bernie at the time. You know, I know those guys. Every time it was a joy to see them at the Big East tournament. You know, that was always fun to go down there and, and play at Madison Square Garden. And you know, it, it's just you grew up watching that again. I watched the battles with Syracuse and Georgetown, Syracuse UConn, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I've watched that and then playing against them. I actually, I actually um, uh, we, we got recruited by Boston College, and my let's see, was it three or four? I forgot what he was. Clinton Sims, he went to Boston College, but it was interesting. It was my senior year, <laughs> and uh, you remember Al Skinner? Yeah. Al Skinner was the head coach. Yeah. Boston. Al, it was our it was our senior year. There's a controversial year, which is a whole other story for another day. They want me to write a book on it. Uh, if you had seen the movie Blue Chips, which anybody on here is a basketball fan, they know what I'm talking about. We had an interesting senior year, to say the least, which I'll leave it at that. But okay. um, <laughs> a- after that season, our uh, our head coach took a leave of absence, never came back. And uh, But regardless, Al was running up the points on us. It, Boston College, it was our senior night, right? Our, my last game in the Coliseum in West Virginia. They were probably up 20, and they were running like a dunk show on us. And I still had a foul to give, I think. I was in the game. And it was like a two-on-one break, and I just I, – I sprinted down the floor, and I hammered this guy in the air. And they gave me an intentional, which nowadays they probably would have kicked me out forever. But um, they gave me an – Al runs off the bench, and he's screaming at me, and he's got big buck teeth, and I'm screaming back at him, and I'm pointing – it's on ESPN. And it's like – it was funny because I was like, you know, it's hometown. You're not going to run the score up on us. This is the league that we're in, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not going to 
us, you know? I'm like, I got a file to give. You guys are trying to make us look horrible. Like, we're already, you know, we're having a horrible season. Yeah. Uh, we had started out the season 10-0 and and only ended up 10-19 and because of all the turmoil and controversy that happened that year. Um, but, you know, it was uh, it was that kind of league. I mean, you just got, you bang people around. Yeah. You know? Man, so, <laughs> so you finish up at West Virginia and um, you decide to go try out. Yeah, yeah. So I had um. So at, you know, it was interesting. That year was was a, was a mess, Matt. And like I said, that's a whole other story for another day. I've literally been asked to write, write a book on it. Um, we had gotten some um, some McDonald's All American. We got a couple guys in, kid Jonathan Hargett, which no one understood how we got him at West Virginia, and another kid, uh, Drew Shapino up in Pittsburgh was a top five, and another kid, Tyrone Sally from out in Virginia. And, we had a really good season. We were ranked preseason, like, top 10 in the country. Like I said, we started off the season about 10-0. and 0, And then there was an issue on the team that created this huge rift. But the season ended up, and our coach, our head coach of 20-something years, he was gone. Uh, the assistant coach took over, and there was some dissension with, with, with uh, authority there. And so after that, I said, you know, we got to take it into my own hands and put some word out there. So... Um, I got invited to two pro showcase camps, one in Salt Lake City, Utah, and one in uh, North Carolina. And uh, the one in North Carolina, I don't remember, I did decently well. But again, when you're in a pro showcase, it's just, you don't know anybody. You don't have really any teammates. I mean, sure, you're playing on a team, it's a team game, but you got to go out and play. And then I went to the one in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I averaged uh, 18 and 10. Huh. <laughs> they were like, wait a minute. Like, you don't score, right? You're a role player. You're not here to – you're here to bang. But when you're there, you're shooting, right? Right. So, I, a fun fact, if you look it up, I'm one for one from the three-point line on my career at West Virginia. I saw that, actually. <laughs> I saw it because I was, I was looking through you. It's, it gives you your numbers, and it says, you know, three-pointers, three one. You know, I'm like, oh, one, you must have just taken one. One. Just taken. Yeah, we ran an inbounds play where the, uh, where the three took the ball out. I was, I, so, I played undersized center. Right. Yeah, I'm not a center. I played center the majority of my career. Just to bang with the big guys, right? I had to get the big guys from Georgetown, from Syracuse, whoever it was. I just had to hammer them on the inside. And so um, we ran a we ran a play. It was not in Miami, and the three took the ball out. Five was with me, screened for the one. He could, he rolled to get open, couldn't get open. I rolled back to the ball. It was around half court. There was like three seconds on the clock. I had to shoot one. So one for one. <laughs> nice. So so after yeah, so, so after you went to the to the. Um, so I'm talking with John Oliver. He played what four seasons at West Virginia. He's from Syracuse. Played at Faithful Manless High School. So when you were in the pro camps and you went 18 and 10, what what happened after that? And who yeah, so I started getting a lot of interest. Uh, that was kind of cool. And so um, so really cool history wise. Rod Thorne uh, was with uh, New Jersey Nets, and so um, I had been to New Jersey to see them kind of unofficial. This is when. Um, uh, kid was just there. I think they just had brought in. Yeah, they, they, it was interesting. So, so I had some opportunity to play, and you know the Empire State Games is a huge thing in New York. So, right. Empire State Games was uh, was starting up, and, and they were like, okay, let's play the Open Division. You know, Empire State Games, and this is when like I had really become good friends with Ryan Blackwell. I think Ryan and them uh, were playing from you know the West Side. It was like Buffalo, whatever. Mm -hmm. I played with another kid at Syracuse. I forgot his name. Um, in the open division. So I started getting some, some really good looks. Now, what I didn't tell you is over the course of probably the four years in college, they had big names in strength conditioning. Um, I'm sorry, the strength conditioning coaches were big names in kind of bodybuilding and, and, and weightlifting. And so this is back, you know, 
late 90s, early 2000s, they didn't have the strength conditioning coaches that they do now. And so they had me lifting heavy, heavy weights. Mm-hmm. And I was the white kid that could. Like, uh, to be honest, like I could move weight. And, you, and, and I liked the challenge, as I, you know, we talked about Max Good at Main Central Institute. I wanted to go to the school where the guy was going to push me. And so I went into uh, West Virginia. I broke the record for the mile and the two mile my freshman year, the bench, the squat, and the hand curl. Now, I don't know why a basketball player should be squatting like 500 pounds. There's no reason. <laughs> or, or benching 400. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but that they had us, you know, working out with the um, the football team, all the redshirt freshman football players. And I was I worked hard. And so my sophomore year, I was like, something's wrong. Like, I don't feel good. I'm not sleeping well. My back's hurt. You know, they, they did an MRI. They're like, oh, you got a couple bulging discs. Okay, I don't know what that, you know, keep going. You ice it, you do some treatment, that's it. And then my junior year, they're like, I'm like, dude, something's wrong. It's just still still off. And, uh, you know, they sent me in there, oh, you got a couple more bulging discs. Well, long, long story short, I ended up having a, couple, a bunch of bulging discs all in my lower lumbar. And I, and I really... I attributed to the lifting. I was lifting heavy, heavy weights. Yeah. And then putting on that much weight, probably between, you know, freshman year to senior year, I put on at least 40 pounds. Like, and they might have listed me at like 217, 220 my freshman year. I I was like dripping wet, 210 maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I left West Virginia probably 250, 255. And uh, just... I was getting banged around, you know, I had to put the weight on, I'm playing against seven footers that are 300 pounds, I feel like, you know, (laughs) and so I had all these kind of issues back wise, and I was trying to band-aid them as much as I could, and I was at the Empire State games, I was playing those games, and I came off the rim off a tip dunk, nothing crazy, got my legs taken out, hit the ground like I've done a million times before, and I'm like, something's not right, and those discs that were bulging, they ended up herniating, and those herniations ended up pinching a bunch of nerves. And so, uh, long long story of it, they were like, you're pretty much done. And I'm like, there's no way, right? You're 22, 23 years old. You're like at the prime of your career. You're running, jumping. They're like, no, like these discs are degenerated. Mm-hmm. And you've now pinched nerves and herniated discs. And I wasn't like, I wasn't sleeping well. I was sleeping a couple hours at night. And everything was bothering me. So, I did a bunch of rehab actually there in Syracuse. I did a ton of rehab did all sorts of stuff from chiropractic to physical therapy to this like brain stuff that they were trying to control pain and things weren't really good. And, and at the time I talked to Rob Thorne, Rob was like, look, you know, we'll bring you down here and you can practice with us and, and whatnot. And it just, I wasn't the same. Like yeah. I, I couldn't jump. I couldn't run the same way. It just didn't, I didn't feel myself. So we started on the path of like looking at going overseas and uh, my grandparents, 100% Italian, straight off the boat from Italy through Ellis Island, right? My dad's 100% Italian. So they were actually looking to get me a dual citizenship in Italy um, because of my paternal grandparents and seeing if they could treat me like an Italian citizen that they could recruit another American. But it just, it wasn't right. I yeah. never was right. And um, So that, that's kind I, of that's kind of different. I mean, first of all, a lot of people may not understand how big the empire state games were back then i mean that's if you made the empire state team that was a big deal and i didn't yeah. know i didn't know i thought i thought it was only high school so i didn't even know this i thought it was only high school kids so you you guys were playing at like what an open division later on yeah open division yeah so, so it was uh, anybody college or professional or not okay yeah. so that so. was i didn't know that the empire state games even had that so if people that don't know that i'm from new york state empire state games are the best players you know in high school and what john's talking about is also yeah. They played it like a almost like a pro am level. So he was an NBA. You were in an NBA camp and playing at Empire State games, kind of like at the same yeah. time. 
Rod Thorne, guy who drafted Michael Jordan, <laughs> was in your ear. He's a, a legend in basketball. I mean, you know, as, as I said, if you've watched The Last Dance or you know kind of anything about basketball, Rod Thorne, he, he was yeah. instrumental. I got down to Jersey, and it was, it, was, it was a fun time down there. It's a different world, class act organization. And so they, I mean, they're just, you know, maybe having the opportunity to come in and bang around a little bit and, and play. But like I said, after that injury, it just, it was a straw that broke the camel's back, all pun intended. <laughs> um, it wasn't right. Uh, I've worked on it for 20 years, get my back back to that point. I still have, you know, some, some issues with it. Um, but it was interesting is, is, you know, that was pretty much the end of the end. Uh, you know, I looked at the overseas trying to play and I'm like, I just, I, like the physical stuff, I'm not going to pass. Like I'm going to bandaid some stuff and I, how long can I get by with this? I wasn't running as fast. I wasn't jumping as much. Um, I know what's really interesting, my basketball IQ after I stopped playing, that's when I feel like it really went up. Like I started really understanding the game and all of the things, you know, watching things unfold. It was like slow motion to me all of a sudden when I finished. And it was probably because and this is all the, you know, all the articles, all the other reports and stuff on me were like, I'm a raw talent. I'm, you know, I, you know, I haven't had the experience, which was true. Uh, but then I understood it later, um, which was interesting because a lot of people ask me about going into coaching and stuff. And I'm like, sure, you know, I loved working with the younger younger people, but I don't know if I could deal with that. But I can see the game so much different now. Mm. Um, even to this day when I watch it, it's just a different game to me. I'm not running at the speed I was. I feel like I'm like Neo from the Matrix and I can slow the bullets down and dodge them now. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, oh, now I see what I was getting yelled at for. Now I can see what so-and-so, what, what they were trying to say and why this play needed to do this and how to open the floor up and how to penetrate the pitch and all the little things. Um, but I think back then I was still playing on emotion and excitement yeah. and enthusiasm, right? And just, you know, happy to be there and working my ass off. Yeah, so, I mean, the game's changed a lot too, you know. Back even, we're talking... 20 years ago when John played at West Virginia, it was still big man's game. You know, yeah. now, now it's, you know, everybody knows it's, it's from the outside, although I sometimes see it, you know, going back the other way a little bit where guys are actually posting up again, you know, Giannis in the NBA Finals. You can get some big guys. There's no, there's no, that's a lost art of playing with your back to the basket, right? There isn't the centers like there used to be. There yeah. isn't the big guys. You know, we, we used to run some, some skyhook drills, that's crazy to even say. People don't even know what that is. Right? We had the skyhook drills and stuff. Impossible. And showing you how to, yeah. how to create space. Impossible to block. Away from the defender. <laughs> Impossible to yeah. block those. I mean, if you can make those, people, you did that in the game now, you know. So, But, uh, you know, I was, yeah. I was saying, you know, Giannis, he, obviously he's not like a true, he's athletic and does a lot of things. But, you know, for the most part, he plays down low and they won. You know, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing guys, what I kind of say is if you are a dominant big man in this era, you could really kick them kick butt i mean because oh, yeah. no one no one's ready yeah. for that you know guys that are six foot eight no one's playing and they're yeah. not playing that physical either so if you do play physical within the within the rules which is always what we did but i mean you have the opportunity you know to really dominate that because there isn't there's no more i don't know back to the baskets i mean shacks are sure but like even like an akeem olajuwon or a david robinson or something like that they're not you don't see those big guys that much. And now the big guys, they all want to shoot. Like yeah. Every guy, I mean, we had a kid that came in. He was my recruit, kid Kevin Pitsnoggle. Kevin was 6'11 from West Virginia, had an amazing career at West Virginia. He never played inside. He didn't want to bang. Well, that's. Right? I mean, these guys don't want to bang. John, did you ever go to Beeline's Lemoyne basketball camp at all or no? No, no, I hadn't. You know, I didn't really know John 
back then. And I remember, I mean, God, I went to Lemoyne a, up a couple times, but never went to his camp, though. Yeah, because oh. I, I did. And uh, I knew exactly what was going on at West Virginia because he did at the same scale at Lemoyne. And all he pre- right. just preached shooting. And so he had a guy that would come down, uh, you know, in Division Two, Lemoyne's Division Two. It's a Catholic school in Syracuse, who was six foot five, and that's the center in, in Division Two. And he would, he right. would, he would just, you would look at him, and you wouldn't think that he could do anything. But his, it was like almost like a, you know, again, this is not an Instagram, Facebook, YouTube era where people had a lot of tape on people. They had actual VHSs, so this guy would just trot the floor very slow. He would catch it. And then just nail the three from the top. And right. that's kind of how his teams ran. They always had a big guy that could shoot a three and everyone else could yeah. shoot three. And his, his son, Patrick, you know, was there, you know, when we were there and he, he was always practice shooting. Patrick went on to coach the morning. He, he coached, um, Niagara. I think he's coaching somebody. Yeah, I ran into Pat actually. I, I ran into Pat at Mulligan's one time. <laughs> Mulligan's. <back laughs> And, uh, yeah, I ran into at Mulligan's. It was across the bar before everything kind of transpired the last few years. And it was just like, it was like, John, I'm like, yeah, you know, we know each other, you know, which is fun and stuff. But, you know, no, no, um, John did. I would have liked to play for John. Uh, that would have been fun. Actually, when I came back, so they offered to pay for my grad school. But when I officially was done, done, they said, look, I, you know, it's kind of almost an admittance of guilt. But uh, it's interesting because those strength conditioning coaches ended up, uh, getting replaced, mm-hmm. and we had an amazing strength. He's actually world renowned. A guy named Mike Barowitz. Mike was uh, the strength issue coach for all varsity sports except for football and basketball. Football, and basketball, are your big money makers, right at the D- Division One schools. And so we always had this other coach. He took over, and I I was a grad assistant for Mike, and uh, ended up getting my master's in exercise physiology with a concentration on strength conditioning coaching. Fell in love with that. I ended up training football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and uh, gymnastics. Uh, as a strength conditioning coach, and that was where my world really took place. It was kind of a silver lining. Could I've gone on to do things? Maybe, maybe not. Struggled, yeah. There's, could you make some money? Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, looking at that now, giving back to these athletes, it's a different world. Uh, speed, agility, you know, plyometrics. What we're doing, it's not about you know squatting four, five, six hundred pounds anymore. It's about getting off the floor and the kinesthetic stretch reflex of a plyometric and understanding the physiology of you know changing direction. You were a grad assistant, and then did you stay there for a little bit longer after that as well? Or No, actually, yeah, so good story. So I, I went back there. Um, I went back. I was rehab and rehab and thought I was going to be able to play still, you know, somewhere. Maybe it was overseas or something, and I realized I had to, I had to dial that in, right? I had to hang it up. Like, I knew it wasn't there. So back in 2003, spring of 2003, I went back to grad school and started, and I actually graduated in three semesters, uh, magnum cum laude, with my uh, master's in exercise physiology. At that time, they asked me to be a grad assistant, so I, I was. Then they actually uh, offered me to stay on as an assistant strength conditioning coach. The problem with that, Matt, is a very, I'm a very, very big fish in a small pond. West Virginia has no pro sports. So think about, take the state of New York and eliminate the Bills and the Giants and the Yankees and the Mets and everybody you can think of the Islanders. Like, eliminate all pro sports mm-hmm. and only have one major Division One school, which really people don't realize. Marshall's huge, yeah. but Marshall's still there, but no one remembers them and then West Virginia right Syracuse being the only university the only major school you're their Michael Jordan and so I wanted to kind of spread my wings in that aspect of it and uh, I ended up uh, going down to IMG Academy down in Florida yeah and uh, IMG is a huge you know training facility for kind of like 
uh, high school prep, pro prep, Olympic guys as well. Yep. And that kind of started my career um, in the strength conditioning world and training world as well. And, and I ended up uh, breaking out of there after the first year. I went to like a membership-based gym and ended up creating a huge clientele base. I started working with a lot of Tempe Buccaneer guys, a lot of Lightning guys, which put me onto the Rays guys, which you know, put me on the Yankees guys because they did their spring training. And then I created my own uh, uh, personal training, uh, sports training uh, business in 2006. And then in 2008, I ended up opening a fitness and wellness center. Um, having like all the amenities, massage therapist, chiropractor, muscle activation therapist, physical therapist, all in house. Um, so that's kind of been my passion ever since then, which is really, that's a silver lining behind it too as well. I absolutely love it and still live it to this day. So who did you train back in the day that was famous? Looking back, one of the guys that really amazed me that I ended up working with was um, Rondé Barber. This is Tiki Barber's brother. Yeah, it's twin brother. Rondé was, was, was really amazing to see at his size. I mean, Maybe they listed him at 5'10", but he probably was 5'9". And what he could do, uh, you know, he had some some amazing guys. I ended up getting put on it and worked with all the linebackers. I had a kid, uh, Quincy Black. This kid was, he was built like the Under Armour model. I mean, this guy was just a beast. <laughs> and I had another kid, Adam Hayward, and uh, another kid, um, Tyrone McKenzie, that ended up coming up to, to Minnesota. But they were just, uh, the athleticism that they had was, was unreal. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of fun. But then... I was a strength conditioning coach, so I understood sports-wise. So I got put on a buddy of mine who's a good friend and I've been at his wedding in, in, in the last years, uh, Carl Pavano. Carl was a pitcher with the Yankees. People yep. didn't like him at the Yankees because he got hurt. And I remember him. Ended up taking yep. about $40 million and never really produced. <laughs> but then he put me on to these other pitchers, uh, Java Chamberlain, who I became good friends with, and Phil Hughes. And, and they put me on to guys uh-huh. we had at a facility, Hideki Matsui, which was fun. And, Got to, got to hang and party with those guys. That's a fun time. They love uh, – Jeter has a compound, I would say, down in Florida and Tampa. It's like a 60,000-square-foot house, and he's part of Jumpman, so they do a party every year. So I got to got to hang out with a bunch of guys. Looking back at the grades, I got to hang out with Dennis Rodman and Jordan and Jeter and those guys, and uh, Barkley came in, Shaq would come in, Kobe back in the day. So looking back at some of the experiences that I had just being in Tampa, I mean, I, I got to work with so many guys. I mean – uh, even Tenseco, uh, God, I had some funny stories with that guy. Uh, some funny, funny stuff. But, you wait, know, you've worked out. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You worked out with Conseco? You worked him no, out? I didn't work out with uh, him, so I actually uh, got to hang out with, uh, uh, okay. with some other guys. I ended up working out with, um, with with some Yankees guys that put me on. He would come in, and these guys, <laughs> they all hang out, party together, and yeah. stuff. And uh, the, the stories they would tell, it was unreal. It was some funny stuff. <laughs> Did Conseco yeah. just come over to you and like chest bump you or something, or what? Oh, yeah. So it was funny because uh, Jason Giambi was a good friend. Jason became a, a friend through from some of the guys from the Yankees, and Jason would tell stories. And God, I ended up out. I mean, at parties with this guy. He was he was a he was. I mean, just crazy to see like you know the transition. It was funny because basketball, football, baseball. I feel like once you get to that level, they all kind of they all kind of uh, congregate together and we're all friends and stuff. So there's a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. You have to hang out with a lot of great guys and. And really, you know, train a lot of a lot of amazing guys as well too, uh, from that era. Wow! So you you went from you know, Faithful Manless High School, which is a suburb of Syracuse. You know, not as I said, not known as many people go Division One. You're one of can't really tell officially one or six or seven guys. You go to prep school where the guy says he doesn't f need you. <laughs> then you play at West Virginia. Yeah. You 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 feel like you're close and getting better at basketball, and you're almost there in the in the pro circuit but you hurt your back turns you on to a more like a training and personal training strength and conditioning coach 
which then allows you to be in these other huge circles. And it's, it's funny how, you, how life works out that way where, you know, you maybe could have been a professional athlete, but you ran in the same circles anyways. Yeah, yeah. What, um, yeah, looking back at it, Matt, you know, one of those things is I, I never, I was always going to be that role guy, right? They wanted me to bang. That was what I did at West Virginia. I have no stats there. I mean, technically, played a lot of games, started, I mean, even as a freshman, I think I started like 16 or 17 games as a center. Yeah. In the Big East, like that was unheard of. They just wanted me to bang. You yeah. got five fouls, use them, John. Okay. That's what we did, right? Yeah. You know, uh, lock somebody down, get somebody frustrated. And so, you know, looking back at it, like I said, I think this world ha- has gone the way it was supposed to. Talking to John Oliver on the Dome Dog podcast, John played at Fanfield Manlius High School in Syracuse, then played D1 at West Virginia. So last year, Syracuse and West Virginia met in the NCAA tournament. What was that like for you? You know, I mean, I always cheer for Syracuse. I always tell my parents, I say, you just wear blue and it's neutral, right? West Virginia is blue and gold. Syracuse is orange and blue. So, um, but, you know, I mean, I always, Syracuse always has my heart, right? Growing up there, you know, my dad started his company when he was 17 years old. He still got, he still got a huge yard off of 690, right? I mean, it's just like, I, I look at, um, you know, that always has my heart. Playing in the Big East, the Big East was the Big East. Like, let's let's not you can't yeah. argue it back in the day it was the conference right, right. we argue with acc you know maybe they had no, no, North Carolina. other than that we no. have eight nine ten teams in the tournament every yeah. year right and so it, it was a different world um i hate that football money has kind of taken over you know we've gone to the big 12 yeah whatever that is our closest away game is almost a thousand miles i know right we play like three teams in texas it doesn't <laughs> doesn't work for us um and so it, it looks like i mean news is out there so i'm not uh, I'm not giving it away, but we're, we're going to be moving to the ACC, uh, West Virginia. So, um, which I'm, I'm excited for. Yeah, you know? it's it's just different now. You know, I mean, I, I I told you, I think, when we were setting this podcast up, I, I sat next to Bob Huggins in the in the um, Delta Club as I was going to some TV yeah. remote or something. And, he, you know, he was a really down-to-earth guy. And he just talked about how how, cool. how crazy it is that what you just said, our closest opponent is 1,000 miles away. And, you know, we might – we might sign Boise State or BYU to the Big Twelve, and that's just. Right. And I, you know, he was a big in academics, and uh, so were you. You know, I saw your thing. You three-time All Big East academic team, right? While you were at yeah, West Virginia, yeah. so he was, was he was, American but he was saying that he was saying that you know how are we gonna go to how are we gonna go to class and, and fly to to BYU? So and he talked to me about the Big East and how awesome it was, and it's just yeah. I think anyone that's around that era. Whether you played or you watched it or you were in Syracuse and you knew, man, that was that was it. You know, uh, it was just a different. It was a different world. That Big East tournament. My, no. my parents would come to any game that was in probably about a six-hour drive, yeah. which is great. Coming from Syracuse, you could hit. You know, you could hit UConn, Georgetown, Syracuse, St. John's, Rutgers, uh, Pitt, if you wanted to. You know, everything was kind of in that radius. And it, it was, you know, it's funny. Miami was always in the Big East, but I, we always loved the trip. It was always fun every year. We got the trip down to Miami. Right. And, you know, it's the winter time. But um, <laughs> People, that's a different era, yeah. uh, and the game has changed, right? Yeah. The game, the game is interesting now. Some of the tic tac stuff that they call, you know, I mean, if we would we bang guys. I mean, I can tell you stories, man. I I, I felt like a, some I got this guy Ruben Boomjay Boomjay. I'll never forget his name from Georgetown. The two on one break, and I just did. I was like, don't get dunked on, John. These guys were monsters coming out. This guy put his finger. In my eye socket, I felt like he, he, I thought he poked my eyeball out. Like, I came out of the game, I was like, I had to scratch my corn. <laughs> I mean, 
back in the day, you just banged and I wrapped him up so he didn't get the shot off. Uh, <laughs> it probably would have been, like, been ejected nowadays. But, nice. you know, they went up in the air and threw my hoop. I was like, no, I'm hammering this guy. You know, it, it's a different game. The recruiting with the internet, with YouTube, it's great. You can get players. Like, I, I mean, I look back, like, how, how did Mike Hopkins ever come all the way from the West Coast of California to Syracuse? No idea. Like, yeah. you know, back then they were sending VHS tapes, like you said, right? I, somehow it happened. But now you got guys you can come from. from I mean, we, we're recruiting guys from other countries, yeah. right? And so. Well, that's how know, Syracuse got. Uh, that's how Syracuse got Dolezize. They, they, they never saw right. him play in, in person because he was, you know, in Europe. But uh, I think yep. back in the day, what they did was, you know, you, if you were assistant coach, you would, you know, you would go, you know, and you would like just be in California and you just go down and. Remember, yeah, you fly out, you watch games, you try to pick out players. Yeah. You know? I mean, even hearing Matt's story about five star camp, and I didn't know that story. It was that was great to hear that. It was kind of it's kind of fun how this is Matt and I. I want to thank you bringing all that back together. I hadn't really been in touch with Matt over the years. Kind of my mom and you know him them they had, but then listening to the stories, I mean, got it brought back memories. I went to five star camp and looking at that, but hearing his story about that transition and the type of player he was, I mean, I was no way at that level, um, nor was I supposed to be, but you would have loved to have me on your team because you know I got your back and I'm going to make sure you're going to get your shots off and I'm going to make sure you're going to run off screens hard and <laughs> dive for loose balls and box out. And you would have you, you given Matt a lot of good screens. You would have given Matt a lot of good screens. That would have been pretty good. Oh, he would have gotten wide open. That would have been pretty, that, that been pretty that, good. <laughs> that, those role players nowadays, I think that's, you know, I understood the game enough to say I respected the coaches. I said, number one, I'm grateful that I'm here. I'm on a full scholarship at a major division one school. This is what you want me to do. It's what I'm going to do, right? I mean, my free throw percentage wasn't bad. I think I think I shot 80% plus in my junior year. I think I, throughout my career it was in the high 70s. You know, I could, but they never wanted me to shoot. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, don't, all the plays are drawn up. I'm playing center. And not a problem. You know, scrap for some balls. You catch a couple layups here and there. a couple points. But always kicking the ball back out is a different game then. Uh, I think nowadays at my size, like I'm an under, I'm a swing. Like maybe yeah, I, you'd be I'm like 40. a three man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> uh, just crazy to think. It's just crazy to think that <laughs> you know because, I mean, again, I'm talking to John Oliver. He played at West Virginia and Phantom Atlantis High School in Syracuse. But you know, John was a huge guy. I mean, he was much bigger than everybody else in high school. He just even even as like a sophomore, I think you were what were you like six three or six four as a sophomore. I mean, that's yeah. what happened. You don't see guys like this, like him, around our school too much. As I mentioned before, he's one of six guys, one of seven guys to go Division One. But he was already big as a sophomore, as a junior, and he grew five inches as a senior, four or five inches as a senior, and he was massive. But now he, you know, <laughs> you would be a swing, guy, right. a swing yeah. guy, yeah. and that's just crazy to think because to to play against people like you, you were massive, and it's like, man, he's huge. It's just like. So imagine playing against a guy who's six foot eight, your size, that could do all the things they can do. I just can't. It's like it's not fair, man. <laughs> you know, these guys are just so, so much better. Like yeah. you know, just that's the thing now and now. I mean, so so it's interesting. You don't play multiple sports like I did anymore. No, uh, I mean I was in martial arts for years, ten years almost. Yeah, and that was another thing that I loved. I played lacrosse. I played soccer. Played baseball was my passion. It was funny you were talking about. Uh, there was something you said about what's your beef. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Up on Madden, yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to, to Matt. So what's so funny is my mom. I, I didn't understand back then about just making contact with the ball, completely unrelated. But I would hit probably two to three home runs a game and strike out two to three times. 
and she would save all the balls. They were right on the balls and give me the game balls and what game, what whatever. Mm. I hit that with your beef building probably four or five times in my career. I mean, I could smack the ball. I was getting recruited playing baseball uh, when I was uh, when I was younger, but they always wanted me to pitch. Now I know why. My size, and right. I could throw the ball hard. But yeah, nowadays everybody gets pigeonholed, and they're, they're just from the time that they're five, seven yeah. years old, they're groomed, and it's like you're gonna play. AAU leagues like Matt was saying, everything's different now. It's bad. You know? That's bad though. I love the way. Yeah. I love the way it was. Yeah. You know, we played multiple sports. We have fun. Yeah. You know, I, I look back at, like I said, a Mike Merrill. I mean, I think he went, uh, you know, to a, a D three school, but he played at three sports. I mean, he was an unbelievable athlete. Looking back at that, you know, soccer, uh, basketball, and lacrosse. You don't have that anymore. I get it now. They're, they're all trying to. It's it's all you know politics and really getting you groomed, but. You're seeing guys that are six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are just unbelievably athletic. You know, have can handle the ball, can shoot the ball. You know, can run yeah. the floor. So, but we also see the most injuries too because yeah. kids are overplaying. You know, but you look at it. I mean, a lot of the guys that are in the pros in different sports, you're mentioning how they run in different circles. If you if you look at their bio or you actually talk to them, they were really good at other sports too. Um, yeah. You know, like I just I only know this because. I used to work where I used to work, and guys that were all quarterbacks, their current quarterbacks in the NFL, there's a bunch of them that all got drafted in the MLB. And it's like, well, yep. if those those guys did it, that means that you know your son or your daughter or whoever, they could play multiple sports. It's it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to do it. It actually helps you to build your muscles. I think differently. You know. Yeah, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, Matt. Honestly, let's let's be honest. The statistic to go from high school to pro. In basketball, it's point zero zero four. Right. Like it's not even half a percent. If I think in football it's point zero zero seven and, and baseball it's point zero zero eight, but still, like, no offense to anyone, live your life, play the sports. You're gonna learn about teamwork and and and, and community and culture, and you're gonna understand. There's you know there's a lot of things that you're gonna learn from sport. Uh, you're probably not gonna go pro, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I look at you know the situations. That I had, I got, I'm a, I was the first one in my in my family to, to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. On a full scholarship. I was the first one to get a master's degree for free, right? Looking at those opportunities nowadays, I mean, I, I think, you know, people underestimate that and, and they're not as grateful for the stuff. And so, you know, those are the opportunities I look back at that I ne- never take for granted. And, uh, you know, play the sports right. and, and do those things. I know, you know, one of my, uh, my, uh, grad school year uh we hit a kid at my house named pat white pat went on to break every quarterback record pretty much i think he broke all donovan's records at syracuse um as a quarterback at west virginia went on to the dolphins but he had a couple concussions he never made it right but what people don't know the reason we were hiding him at our house in the summer because he got drafted his senior year of high school for baseball and i guess your contract is voided if you start your first day of college mm-hmm. so we kind of hit him there over the summer at west virginia and so they were, you know, multi-sport athletes. But I grew up watching the Bo Jacksons and the and the Deion Sanders. They yeah. played multiple sports, and that was like, and this is at the professional level, right? Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think know. it's possible to play multiple sports. I think you just have to just just tell some of these coaches, you know, whatever other sport you're playing. Listen, I, I want to play this sure. other sport, and what you know, it's it's just crazy. I mean, I I've got two. I've had a couple of nephews that are, are through the circuit, kind of AAU circuit. I've been to their games, and I'm like, man, I don't I don't know. I don't know if you. If you're helping yourself playing this or not, you know, you know, it's my one, my one nephew is, is pretty good. And he, he'll probably play college. I don't know if he'll play D1. He's, he's a sophomore on varsity in Virginia area. So he's, he's really good, but 
that's all he does is play ball all the time, and that's fine. But I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I wish you just play one other sport, even if you play in the rec league. I don't, you don't have to play, right, you know, right. play, but um, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's how the it kids are now. Perspective, like you said, and it's good for for, for training wise. And I know with my my background in exercise physiology now, like you need all of those things, right? It was a joke back in the day. What was it like? All oh, the football linemen, you made them go to ballet class or something. There was a reason behind it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that it's it's so. There's so much stress and so much like these parents, they live vicariously through their kids now that they never made it, yeah. I think. Yeah. And it's like the pressure to go. I mean, look, I remember jumping from a soccer tournament to baseball to indoors. So I had this to that, but it was multiple sports. Now it's just like there's so much emphasis on it. And to get it to this level and they think they lose the innocence yeah. of that. Right. You have a you have a you have a child. I have a child now. It's like. Have fun. Right. You ever see kids play? They just have a good time. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not about the parents now. I mean, there's fights that break out, and then there's all this the politics that goes into it, recruiting and whatnot, yeah. and money getting transferred, and now we can get endorsements. And, and then, uh, you know, it's like, what happened to the innocence of playing the game yeah. that you love? Right. Right? And playing it with a passion. It's almost why I don't really enjoy watching pro as much because of so much politics and money. And I, I love watching that level. Those guys at Syracuse, 90% of them are not going to play in the NBA. No. Maybe 95%, right? But they play with heart. They're diving out of bounds for loose balls. They're taking charges, doing the little things that you don't see that happens in the pros anymore, you know? So let's, let's, I'm going to go there with you now. So what do you think yeah. about, what about the thing, what do you think about the team right now, the Syracuse team right now? You know, struggling a bit. Um, and you know, I mean, I've watched, got Bayham all my life you know I understand how he runs his schedules and whatnot I think that you know his sons obviously there's, I think there's a lot of pressure um you guys got a couple injuries now as well too which that happens this time of the season um you know they have system always <laughs> it always made me upset because it always worked it was like playing the zone would force guys to like shoot right back in the day we and and, and he would say hey look if you can shoot you'll beat us Right. Yeah. Um, but 90 percent of the time, you're not gonna. And we're going to play this where I feel like I'm like, man, I feel like they're resting on defense where they're playing man to man against them. And uh, he's run the system. I mean, you know, you can't take anything away from him. Look at look at his status. I mean, look at the games that he's won. I think he's just trying to figure out the connections with, with the team and, uh, you know, linking the right guys together. I don't follow it as close as I do uh, probably in my alma mater, yep. but, you know, it's hard to watch them. I'm watching the Duke game the other day. At the same time, I'm watching the um, uh, West Virginia play Texas Tech because we're playing a ranked team, and I'm trying to see that as well. So, you know, um, I think it's going to be in a good place. I mean, where, where do you where do you feel like they, they need some help right now? Well, I mean, <laughs> if, you know, you, you could go back and listen to some of my podcasts if you want of kind of how I feel. I, I the biggest thing I think Syracuse did or happened, whether they did or not, but, you know, the transfer portal changed a lot. And Matt Rowan and I talked about it a bunch kind of on our last podcast. And, you know, they had three or four guys that were really good and they all left. And, you know, if it if it wasn't that rule, would they have left? I don't know. But to me, people on these boards and stuff, you know, I'm on all over them because it's my podcast. And they're talking about, oh, athleticism, all recruiting. Fact of the matter is to me, okay, in, in three games this year they were out, outplayed and, and just played against better teams. You know, Auburn game sure. not going to beat them. Villanova didn't think they were going to beat them. Duke, you know, didn't think they were going to beat them, even though they seem to always give them a hard time, even when they're not that good. Right, right. They were just sure. didn't have the didn't have the the same type of skill, right? 
those other those other seven games definitely winnable and just kind of like I talked about this with Matt Rowe, KYP, know your role. You've been talking about being a role player the whole time. Some of the guys on the team don't seem to to get that role what who they are. So it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. I mean, the team was in the Sweet 16 last year and two of the guys were all ACC, they're gone. You know, they go to other schools and they're not playing better. Richmond leaving, I think was big because he's a true point guard. Joseph Gerard, I love Joseph Gerard because I, I I I he's a hometown kid kind of and I, I root for hometown people sure, that do sure. well, you know. But he's more two guard, I think. Um, and yeah, it just I, like like you said, you hit the nail on the head. The problem is, is we've been we've we've been brought up in this Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. You got to be the star, and people lose sight of. Let me tell you why. I mean, you watched the Last Dance. All the role players, all the supporting players, even the Scottie Pippens, the Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr. You know, there was an instrumental in winning the games. Right? It's a team game. Yeah. And so. You're not going to score all the points. You're not going to win. You know, you're not going to get all the glory all the time. But as a team, there's a reason why I got a big ass ring from from prep school, right? There's a reason we went 35 and 0. We figured it out, and it was probably the coaching. We were probably young, and we, we, we you know we didn't know what we didn't know, but we were influenced in a positive way to be a team. Who cared? He didn't care when 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 we were getting recruited and stuff like that. He didn't care about stats. Mm-hmm. Like, what's his stats? I don't know. He's got a double-double. Like, they didn't even look it up. They were like, yeah, cool. Like, hey, mm-hmm. hey John, you need to go talk to him. Okay. Uh, Gail Kelly, you got to talk to him. It, it worked that way. Um, yeah, the portal, I don't like that. We lost some guys from West Virginia. There's been some. And the, then the question to catch 22, Matt, is then if they stayed, were they really unhappy? And what would have happened then? I don't know. Right? Would they have? Would, would they have sabotaged or, if you want to say, poisoned the team in that? I, I don't know. Or... You know, when I committed, when I looked at that, originally it was a four-year scholarship, right? You looked at it, I think, back in my day. Yeah. Then actually it was like soon after, I think my sophomore year changed. You got re-signed every year, um, technically. Yeah. But in my head, I was committing to a school, right? I, I'm not some extreme player where I'm going to be one and done or even go to the NBA aspect of it. But um, I'm committing to the school for the long term. There's a reason why. Yeah. Now, I understand that some people can be unhappy, mm-hmm. but the way I looked at it is put the work in. Yeah. If you're not happy with your playing time, put the work in. If you're not happy with your statistics, then put the work in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, the, the, I, you know, obviously, we don't know the whole story always when the guy leaves or not. Right. Just Gurrier was, you know, all ACC. And his deal is that he, he coming into Syracuse, is more an outside shooter. And he really didn't have it while he was in Syracuse. He became more of a guy, it's kind of a glue guy, you know. Who, where he, but he was like a walking double-double. And for him to leave was just, I felt that, it was like there's some, there's some conflict there maybe that wasn't talked about. Sure. Beheim talked about him a lot, like he shouldn't shoot those threes. But I've watched him a few times on Oregon this year, John, and he just stands on the three point line. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's not you. Right. And and he had yeah. a good game the other night uh, against against Hopkins zone. Um, unfortunately for Hopkins, he he tore it up a little bit. He had a, he had a decent game. You know, he had 12 points and whatever. But he's not having the games he had like he had with Syracuse. So imagine him in this team. That'll make a difference. I think Richmond being on the team would make a difference because he could come in and spell. Yeah. Now, Syracuse has Torrance, but now he's hurt. And that was kind of a – I just was just disappointed that – I know why he was in to get more burn the other day, but he got hurt when they were getting blown out. And it's like he's just ascending. He's starting to get comfortable. And I don't know. I just – that's kind of my take on the team is that it's not – you can make all the excuses you want. And as you said, put in the work. The, the recruiting and the athleticism stuff is, is – might be true, but 
this team has been in the game plenty of times. It's just a few plays here yeah. and there, and the, and the record's different. But unfortunately, I think we're we're seeing what we're seeing. You, you know, it's like the old Parcells quote: "You you are what your record is, and the record is nine to ten. They're gonna play Pittsburgh tonight. They should get that win, but." On the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose because it's Pitt, Syracuse, and you know it's they're not they're not really head and shoulders better than anybody, and anyone can get hot in a game. So right. I'm just yeah. you know what else what else could they do? What like what else do you think they could do the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean I think at the end of the day you got to put the work in and you got to do the little things that that got you there. I mean there's a reason that that. Beheim's a legend, right? He knows how to coach. He knows what to do. It doesn't matter what the players you got, what matchups you have in there. You got to do the little things like running the floor. You got to do little things like boxing out. You got to do little things and making sure that you're getting second and third chance opportunities maybe and not letting them get second and third chance, right? You know, get on the floor, die for loose balls, and realize it's a team game. And at the end of the day, doesn't make a difference. Uh, you know, if you score uh, you're the leading point scorer and you get career highs every game. If your team doesn't win, well, then your season sucked. So put the work in and do the team thing. I think once they wrap their heads around that, which was which was a nice awakening that I had in prep school that's really framed probably the rest of my career, is understanding that there is roles to play. And uh, sometimes you're needed to do certain things. And other times uh, you got to understand that a team uh, is above all. And that's what will get you the wins and get you to where you want to be. Cool. All right, John. Well, thanks, John, for taking the time. I, I know we spent. No, no doubt, man. I appreciate it. we got linked up here, and it's actually brought up some, some really cool um, uh, opportunities uh, for me to just catch back up with Matt Rowe and some of those guys, and probably reach out to Hop as well too. Just to see, I love, always loved him, and he's always had an instrumental part of kind of my career aspect of it. But anything I can help with in the future, definitely let me know, and uh, and definitely keep in touch. But it was uh, it was awesome to be on the uh, the podcast, and I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. And as, as I told Matt Rowe, you know, open invitation anytime or if there's something that, you know, irked you in the game or you want to talk about or you want to do, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure pretty sure you joined the Facebook group. So go ahead and post in there and or hit yeah, me up. Sure. Yeah, hit hit me up again and say like you. As well too, so yeah. definitely support you any way we can, man. And if uh, there's something I can help with, if somebody you see that maybe my network of people or something like that, let me know and uh, we'll, we'll help you out, brother. But uh, it was great to catch up. Where can people find you? Um, well, they want to connect with you either for your business or yeah, your... the best is probably social media is probably Instagram so it's uh, D-R-J-O-L-T Dr. Jolt okay. um, that also probably is on Facebook as well too I think and I also have a website joltnow.com so J-O-L-T-N-O-W dot com but yeah anybody wants to reach out there more than happy to help with it that was John Oliver on the Dome Dog Podcast really enjoyed that John the stories about going from a suburban school in Syracuse to West Virginia, his stop at his prep school in between, how he really embraced his role as the enforcer, understood that setting picks, getting rebounds, and blocking shots was just as important sometimes as scoring. And he kind of talked about it towards the end that guys need to understand that sometimes that they don't need to be the star to, to make an impact. In talking to former players like Matt Rowe and John Oliver, both played D1, they really talked about embracing their roles and I think that's part of the problem with the Syracuse team this year. Guys are kind of unsure of their roles, right? I've talked about it before. Swatter taking the last shot in the game. It's not his shot. Jimmy Beheim trying to take the last shot in the game. Not his shot. You know, got five starters who average double figure in scoring, but the team is 9-10. and 10. I'm pretty sure most Syracuse fans would rather have a better record 
and guys score less and star in their role more. So will it change for the rest of the season? I don't see it changing. I think the guys still play the same way they play. And Torrance is out tonight against Pittsburgh because of a strained knee. Disappointing because he was ascending and getting better. So Syracuse can't lose this game tonight against Pittsburgh. 8 p.m. start on the ACC Network. Cuse.com for radio. Again, like every game, I'll be on the Facebook page commenting. Shoot me a comment. Shoot me a message. Let's get it going. Thanks for listening to the Dome Dog Podcast. Now available on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Please join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Dome Dog Pod. That's D-O-M-E-D-A-W-G-P-O-D.